2003, I was told I was hypothyroid and put on medication and then just send you out the door. Nobody told me anything about it. Um, nobody told me that it was, you know, just that it was, first of all, why is my thyroid not working? I mean, my moms didn't, my cousins, my aunts. So I was like, oh, I guess it's my turn. The idea that an organ just fails doesn't seem to bother anybody in the medical field. It's just so disturbing. Like as a scientist, I'm like, but why? And they're like, who cares? Here's a pill. Hello, and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about the brand new Women and ADHD online community. So two things I hear time and time again from listeners of this podcast is A, wow, I feel so much less alone. And B, I feel like I finally found my people. We have felt so alone for so long which is why the desire to understand ourselves and make connections and feel understood is really strong in all of us. I mean, it's why I started this podcast, to find others who were experiencing life like I was. And in doing so, I have met so many guests and listeners who are just amazing, brilliant ADHD women. And now I want you all to meet each other. That's why I've started this free online community because I believe finding our people is an integral part of treating our ADHD. When it comes to understanding our brains and the way we tick, we do so through conversation and community. We like to talk it out and get feedback and explore ourselves and sort through the chaos and ultimately know that we are not alone in all of this. So head over to womenandadhd.com to join. It's totally free. You can look around, introduce yourself, post thoughts and questions, pontificate to your heart's content. And there's also a constantly evolving list of ADHD resources. And you also have the option at any time to upgrade, and that'll give you all sorts of exclusive content like early access to this podcast, a free copy of my audiobook, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom, as well as twice monthly live member hangouts on Zoom with me and other members where we talk about our ADHD brains and symptoms and hormones and nutrition and plenty of other life topics we obsessively ponder as neurodivergent women. So again, head over to womenandadhd.com to join us. There's also a link in the show notes. All right. I can't wait to see you there soon. So this is episode 39 in which I interview Danielle Maitiv. Danielle is a scientist, a health coach, and a mom with Hashimoto's and ADHD. After 20 years working on climate change and policy and nearly 30 years with Hashimoto's, she decided to change careers. Now she uses her science training to help other women with thyroid problems boost their energy and metabolism to get their lives back. She's also one of the rare group of ADHD women who was diagnosed with hyperactive type. So we talk about that and growing up as an undiagnosed hyperactive child. And we also talk about what it was like to work in the science field and academia with undiagnosed ADHD. And of course, Danielle talks about thyroid health and the work she does with her clients. It is a great conversation. And if you have Hashimoto's or any thyroid issues, you definitely want to grab a pen and paper for this episode. Enjoy. Um, yeah, so you, I think you posted one of your videos in one of the Facebook groups. I think yeah. it was the Entrepreneur Facebook group. About ADHD and um, autoimmune thyroid disorder. Right, and which is something I'm endlessly fascinated by because as somebody who 
was misdiagnosed with chronic depression and anxiety for most of my adult life, my thyroid has been checked many, many times. It's always like the first thing doctors go to. Which is <laughs> impressive because for most people, it's the last thing. They're like given antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills and told just to lose weight. And then like five years later, somebody's like, oh, maybe I want to fix your thyroid. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, I feel like I have the opposite. They always think it's my thyroid. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's it. But sure, go ahead. Anyway. So yeah, I have tons I want to talk to you about like talking shop. But I just loved your energy when I saw that video. And you know, you're just like instantly like drawn to somebody. And I think, you know, I just was like, Oh, my God, I have to interview you. And then and then I felt like you had the same energy back, which was like, Oh, this sounds like so much fun. And um and you were like, I was, you know, diagnosed and I've um, diagnosed with hyperactive, which is not the common, <laughs> which is not the common diagnosis for women. Most yeah. of us sort of feel like I am anything but hyperactive. So I am so excited to hear your diagnosis story and kind of when that happened, what, uh, when were you first diagnosed and what were sort of the signs that led up to getting this diagnosis for you? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I first started suspecting it. Oh, wow. I think I was at a conference, I don't know, five or six years ago, a writer's conference. And they're like, writing, you know, with ADHD. And I was like, I wonder if that's me. Um, but it really was like so many people, I started looking into it because it was so clearly my son. Like my kids, um, my son just so clearly has hyperactive impulsive ADHD, which is really ironic because we just took him to the doctor and he didn't get the diagnosis because he's coping so well that his teacher's like, no, he's functioning fine. I'm like, you don't understand how hard this kid is working to function, yeah. like, which is totally my story. Like he's in high school and he has fantastic grades. He's getting all his work done and all that. So they're like, oh, he's fine. And that's the problem with calling a disorder and a deficit because if it's not a problem, then they're not gonna, like, we're not looking for him to be diagnosed. We're looking for him to be recognized, right? Yes. And, um, and so that, it was just so ironic that like the, the kid is holding it together so well. They're like, no, he's fine. I'm like, you know, no idea how hard that work is for him. Right. And my daughter, who literally, it started to occur to me a month ago, like, I wonder if this girl has inattentive ADHD. And I sent the forms and the teachers were like, uh, you know, they had said, um, they sent me this long email, like, here's all the things going on with Deborah in class. And I was like, huh, <laughs> that sounds an awful lot like inattentive. And sure enough, they sent back the uh, evaluations form and it was like, check, 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 check. Like it was really clear. Um, so I didn't suspect it, my daughter as much, but my son was just, he's also older. So I just saw it sooner um, in elementary school. It was like so classic, blurting out answers, interrupting, you know, really talkative, can't sit in his seat, always in motion, runs like a motor, you know, the whole, like they just wrote that diagnostic criteria for him. And so I was like sort of learned a lot about behavioral stuff and, and physiology and because I'm a scientist, so I dig into the, the nerdy stuff and um, and like, you know, botanical, like diet things and herbal remedies and, and like things that have legitimate science behind them, not just, you know, crystal healing, but like go cola and kinko and ginseng and zinc and omega threes and so on. Um, and then so so I knew it for him. Like, and we've been dealing with that for a long time. But then it was really like, I think it was really like in December, thinking about it for both of them and going, huh, you know, I've always like, since I thought about it for my son years ago, I've sort of like thrown around this label of like, oh yeah, ADHD, yeah, probably. But I never really dug into what that meant. Like, you know, not just, oh, I'm distracted or I'm chatty or, but like, what does that literally mean? So the more I dug into it, I was like, 
oh, oh, you mean this is normal for us? Like this whole constellation of symptoms or symptoms of characteristics. Oh, actually more specifically, last November or October. So I've, I've been wanting to start this business and I'm also a fiction writer. So I've like had this novel. I have like so many people with ADHD, five unfinished projects, <laughs> um, five novels at 65%. And I just like have these great ideas and I can get started and have all this and all this. And there's just some, I just can't make it to the end of that project. And I just can't see it. Like, and the way I was describing to my uncle, who's actually a therapist who specializes in ADHD in relationships, because he also has ADHD. Um, it's like, I know where I'm at and I start this journey and I can see the endpoint so clearly, but the path between here and there is a dark forest. And I literally have no idea of the steps. Like it's just, it's frustrating because I've come so far and I know where I'm going. And I'm like, how do you get across, I don't know, through this forest, across this canyon, whatever it is, it is a mystery. And I started thinking, gee, this is a problem I've had with every novel for the last 10 years. I wonder if other writers have this. And I started just looking up like planning and plotting. And then I was like, project management, goal setting, ADHD. Like the more I looked it up, it wasn't a writer's issue. It was a brain wiring issue. Mm -hmm. And then I just went something about it. I just Googled the right things. And I was going, oh, oh, this whole like project planning, goal setting, time management, seeing all the steps, seeing the trees in the forest, like this isn't just me. This has been a lifelong thing. And there's an entire community of people with brain wiring that absolutely get what I'm talking about, about that like huge visions and dreams and just no idea of how the heck to get, you know, like break it down. Oh, just break it down. Okay, thanks for that advice. <laughs> Um, so I think that's really what did it is I didn't even think of like I'd sort of thrown around the idea of ADHD, but it wasn't until I literally started looking at how do we do things? How do other people organize their brains and, and organize their projects and so on going, oh, th that advice doesn't work for me because that's not how my brain works. And mm -hmm. that's when I started going down the rabbit hole of, oh, people who have this experience and then everything else just it was so obvious, like, you know. I mean, you know, this, I mean, I grew, I was born in 69. So like growing up in the seventies, ADHD was, you gave Ritalin to little boys who wouldn't stay in their seat. That's it. That, like, that was all that ADHD was. That said, if I were in a classroom now, any teacher would be like, oh, look, she's hyperactive impulsive. Why don't we get her diagnosed? Like I was so, I was that kid. Like I could never sit through a meal without, you know, like we'd start eating. People knew this, like Thanksgiving, Passover. We'd eat. Danielle would go wander off and do something else, come back for the next course. Oh, go wander off and do something. Because who could sit for that long? Right. <laughs> you know, bored in the classroom, either looking out the window or disrupting the class with talking or blurting out the answer or being six lessons ahead of the rest of the class. Or, you know, just I would have been like that girl. Yeah, she's like, I would not have been misdiagnosed at that age if I know if it were today. I know. Yeah, it was interesting to see that perspective when I interviewed my first guest who had been diagnosed as a child. And I felt like I had found this unicorn because we were, you know, she was she's I'm 46. She's a, she was about not quite 10 years younger than me. So a little bit later in the like schooling 
time frame, but still at a time where it was nobody had any idea what ADHD looked like, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in girls. And so when I interviewed so many women who felt that we all shared that sense of like, when I look back, the signs were clearly there. How did nobody know this? And then she came on and she was like, you know, nobody knew. Like, there's no, it's sort of pointless to look back at your life and feel like how, how different would it have been had I been diagnosed because nobody had a clue. And so it is interesting because I feel like we share a lot, so much of us share that, like part of that feeling of like, wow, I really did struggle. Um, and, and what would my life have been like had somebody recognized, had somebody not, you know, constantly scolded me, but encouraged me and all of those things. So I think it's so interesting when you talk about your son, even like today in this, in this day and age that, 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 that reaction that like, we're not going to bother diagnosing him because he is not struggling, which just reinforces, it's just reinforces that stigma that this is somehow like a disorder or that this is like a terminal illness that needs to be treated as opposed to, we don't want to give him that stigma. It's like, it's not a stigma. Right. Yeah. And I love the dark forest analogy. I've, I've, I've heard that the, like standing at the edge of a cliff, not being able to find the bridge, you know, and, but it's, I feel like when you talk about those ideas, when it comes to writer's block, those are those moments where I wonder, you know, how rare is ADHD? Because they always talk about it like it's five to 10% of the population. But then when you hear those moments where I think about how the things that I struggle with that I sort of feel like are endemic of ADHD, I feel like a lot of women struggle with. So I, you know, then those are the moments where I'm thinking, is this actually ADHD or is just, or is there just a much, much larger percentage of the population that has it. I don't know. Well, I think it's interesting because I know like, you know, Dr. Hallowell talks about like there's there's sort of ADHD and this wiring thing, but there also really is a mismatch between these brains, which evolved, you know, on the African savanna 300,000 years ago for a completely different, you know, environment and set of stimuli and problems to a time-bound you know, measure your life in increments of 60 seconds and 24 hours and 365 days, which is just like our brains clearly aren't built for that. I mean, nobody's brains are like we can adapt to it. And some people may thrive under that, but it certainly is unique in all of human history, like all of evolutionary history. So it's not that surprising that we all kind of have, you know, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors didn't really have many time or project management issues to deal with. You know, except those on a seasonal basis, you know, the nine months of a child being, you know, gestated and, you know, so it's not that surprising that a lot of us, you know, in this hyper, you know, stimulating and pinging, you know, phones that that we're all overwhelmed by it. Um, But I do think that there's, you know, that kind of, whether it's a threshold, a spectrum, I don't know, like a continuum kind of thing. Um, but it, it's funny because my daughter, my son and I all have ADHD and my husband 100% does not. Like that is mm-hmm. not his wiring. And I always joke that he's completely outnumbered. But also, thank God, <laughs> our taxes are already done. Like, I don't... wouldn't have been me. <laughs> he, he's like, oh, I need you to get me these, these, you know, can you check this over? And I was like, sure, just remind me. Yeah, it never happened. And he's like, oh, I'm done, don't I didn't, I, I figured that. I'm like, good. <laughs> Because I totally forgot that you even asked me. So, um, yeah, and they would say, you know, right relationship, right career. Well, thank God I found the right relationship for sure. Yes, I know. I, I, 
I go back and forth. There are moments in time where I look at my husband and I think, are you sure you don't have ADHD? But then like you just reminded me, like he does all the taxes, he does all the finances, he does all the budgeting, really. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I, it eludes me. And when I met him, I was in such a terrible financial state and he just like, you know, he just like scooped me up and helped me out. And oh, I don't yeah. know why he didn't go running for the door at that oh, moment. Oh yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. $40,000 in student debt and $15,000 in credit cards. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and like in a year and a half those were gone. I'm like, wow, let's get married. This is great. I know. Well, exactly. You know, it's funny. I did. I remember talking to another guest about relationships because for me, you know, my own ADHD diagnosis has really, really helped how I, how I talk in my relationship with my husband, because Mm -hmm. I used to put so much value in the things he did. And I never saw any value in what I brought to the relationship. And so we always had this, and we've been together 20 years, and I felt like I spent 20 years prior to my diagnosis just being like, I know why I'm with you. Obvious, It's obvious to me why I chose you, but I don't know why you chose me. And I like never could see what I brought to that relationship. And, and since my ADHD diagnosis, where I'm able to kind of really like lean into my strengths and recognize them as strengths, I've been able to say like, A... Oh, I, okay. Now I see why, like what I bring to this relationship and why you're with me. And I also see how annoying it must've been for you to listen to me, like dump on myself for 20 years when, when I am the person who like you most care about in life. And the shame and the undervaluing is really huge too. I mean, yeah. imposter syndrome. I mean, I've always dealt with imposter syndrome, like period, I mean, period, you know, and, um, and just undervaluing my own skills. And also being a woman in the sciences, it's like rampant because you're like, what are you doing here? You know, now, right. I mean, there's more and more, but there's still women, there's still a minority in the sciences. There's certainly a minority in the upper levels and the professorships and so on. So I already had that imposter syndrome, but I didn't, it didn't occur to me how much it, it related to ADHD. I mean, literally, I was talking to a therapist about this yesterday um, that, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm definitely in that stage and I'm, you know, slowly coming out of it of like, what things did I not do? because of this. And one glaring, glaring thing that stands out is, I mean, I was accepted into a PhD program at Cornell and, and waitlisted for a program at, at Princeton. And I was like, oh, that's nice, but there's no way I'm doing those. Like, why? Like, obviously these people know, they might be able to evaluate, you know, students. Um, but I realized the real reason why and I wanted to go to Cornell, I wanted to go there for like five years, all through college, that I turned it down is not that I didn't think, I mean, obviously I got in, I had the grades, but could I keep up with the work? And I didn't realize until literally a couple of weeks ago, that fear was, the, was could I juggle all the work? And I did the university in a PhD program because of ADHD, because of that. Like I'd always been smart enough to do the work, but just thinking about the classes and the, like the idea that could, and this is what I think my son wrestles with also, you know, we struggle to keep all those balls in the air and nobody, like when you have imposter, nobody sees that. You're really good at hiding that. Um, so this feeling of like, uh-oh, I'm going to get there and it's all going to fall and they're all going to know and they're all going to say, and you know, I mean, in the end, it actually, I don't think a PhD program was the right thing for me and I went a totally different route and that's great. But uh, realizing that I made the decision, it was the right decision, but for the wrong reason because of that fear coming to terms with the fact that I made the right decision, even if it was for the wrong reason, um, I think is sometimes hard to do. Like, 
I picked the path that actually was really good for me. And then also learning, like realizing so many signs of ADHD, like changing jobs all the time. Now, I was lucky in that, you know, I've been more fortunate than a lot of people. I think either it's not as, you know, I don't know, strong for me or whatever, but it usually, you know, I just got bored at jobs. And so I'd be fine and I'd have great reviews and all that, but I'd be like, mm, okay, it's been four years, time to move on. And even within a job, like I worked for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, folks who bring you the weather service. And like within the four years I was there, I literally was in three different offices within the same program. I was like, oh, time to do this new thing and time to do that new thing. <laughs> then I was like, oh, I'm going to go work for this nonprofit and now I'm going to work. So I was in the environmental sciences field, but like, doo -doo, like just trying lots of different things because I got bored, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then at 50, completely, like actually maybe my mid-40s being like, I, I don't want to do, like I loved environmental science. I love climate science. I love environmental policy, but I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I just, and feeling really guilty. Like what's wrong with me? Other people like are totally fine in their career forever. And I'm like ready to jump ship and do, do I want to write novels or what do I want to do? Um, and it took me a while. Now I've decided I've gone into health coaching and health education. Again, it uses my passion for science and for people um, and for communicating. Um, but also the ADHD, understanding that ADHD kind of also allowed me to kind of give myself permission to do that. Oh, we get bored easily. That's okay. Great. I'll do something else. So in some ways it's actually done, you know, it's not just that, you know, we think, oh, here's all the things I did wrong, but also, oh, that's why I changed careers. And that's fine. People like us get bored. That's great. We move on to something else. Right. You know, no harm done you know, I've had lots of interesting careers or jobs. Yeah. And it just goes to show sort of where we put the value in society that we feel as though we are supposed to be staying in jobs for 20 years, which you go into a whole tirade about the industrial revolution and everything else about, about the cog in the wheel. Um, but yeah, it's like when you make that mental shift of like, no, this is actually, there's a lot of pluses to this. And look at all these things I've learned and all these random jobs I've had over yeah. the years and how well-rounded I am. And I'm a great conversationalist when I feel like it. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I'm very open about my own experiences with therapy. I've been seeing the same therapist for years, and in fact, it was my therapist who first suggested I had ADHD and set me on this personal path of transformation. But it also took a while to find the right fit for me, which is why it's so awesome that online resources like BetterHelp exist. The service is available for clients worldwide, so there's a broad range of expertise, which may not be available locally for a lot of us. Also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash women ADHD. You blew my mind with that thought of like, what have I said no to? Because, you know, I think about like relationships, for instance, like I certainly have ended relationships. I tried to end my relationship with my husband on his birthday <laughs> because I knew, God, what an asshole I was when I think back to it. But like I tried to end my relationship with him because I knew that we were getting so close. And it was that I got to that point where I'm like, he's going to discover I'm a hot mess. So I'm going to leave him before he leaves me. Right. And so now I look back and I'm like, gosh, I've done that with a lot of people in my life. Yeah. But then to think about like, 
How many things have I said no to? Because in that moment, I saw the whole exhausting picture in front of me. It's like your life flashes before your eyes and you realize how hard you have to work at certain things. And so you say, no, I don't have the, you know, I don't have the energy to take that on because it's not just the first step ahead. It's not the one step in front of you. It's the whole marathon. Right. And it's, it's odd that like we have that issue with ADHD where you see, you're able to make those connections in a, in a flash. So you're able to see your whole life flash in front of you. But then at the same time, we're also like incredibly impulsive and we do things without thinking. (laughs) We do take those steps a lot of the time without really thinking about what's you know, where it's leading. And I think that's also the fun of it. I mean, they're almost, they almost seem contradictory. Like, like we see, and because I'm, you know, I think our brains leap so fast. We're like, it's almost like, you know, gee, if I go on this date with this guy, well, we could get serious and move in together and have kids. And then, and you're like, you're already like retired, you know, and meanwhile, like all he wants is your phone number. Like, and you already, you know, just realize why you two can't retire to a beach in Florida. 75 years from now, you're like, what? what? You know, and you're like, like oh, it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and we go, and like, or the other thing, I'm sure, you know, this is really funny that I've talked to a lot of people with ADHD. You know, we joke that we can have, you know, faster conversations because we don't have to go A, B, C. We're like, A, L, T, Z, next. Like, we've already finished the entire, everybody else is like D, E, F. And we're like, we're on to a different alphabet. Like, um, we're, we're, we're done already. I know, right? Um, and so, you know, my son and I, it's very funny. We're like, <laughs> the conversation is just so fast. Um, not only fast in terms of speed of talking, which of course I can do too, which he can as well, but in just the th- speed of thought, the mental leaps. And like you said, that could be a real positive where we're like, I can do that. You know, everybody else is going, how does that work? And I've already, I've so many times, I have found myself in fantastic situations because somebody, you know, the... I remember the dean of students at my graduate school sent around an email saying, hey, you know, there's going to be this like independent UN commission on the oceans is coming to Rhode Island and they're going to have some events and they want a graduate student to talk about like, here's why I'm a graduate student in oceanography and why the work you're doing is important. Like, and other people like, you know, I'm sure they wrote back to her like, well, what is it and how long is the talk? And I'm like, yep, I'm there. Like, I don't even know what it is, but I'm like, UN commission. This, well, it's fascinating. I'm literally going to graduate in like two months. Well, maybe I'll meet some interesting people. So like our brains go to, okay, when everybody else is sort of like pondering the possibilities and I'm already like, I volunteered and I literally got a trip to Portugal and a trip to South Africa out of that and like met all these really like world dignitaries. So I was like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't reckless. Uh, you know, it wasn't like, I think I'll jump off this cliff. It was you know, I think we have that like excitement. As the, that's where the impulsivity comes from. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, that also, I think I undervalued that in myself. So like I just started a business. There's nothing more risky than being an entrepreneur than being like, I'm going to just depend on myself and invest my own money in my own thing and assume that other people are going to want it someday. And you have to be able to take risks as a business. Per- I mean, that's it. So Yes, they could be risky, um, like, you know, not good risks, but so far they've been great risks. Um, And that willingness to take them, you know, I mean, there's just so many interesting things I've done because of that, uh, that I think so many people miss out on when they're like, let me weigh the options. And I'm like, yeah, you know, again, I'm not saying it's been irresponsible. I mean, I've got a roof over my head. My kids are happy and healthy. You know, the mortgage paid. Um, But I think there is a, you know, 
a kind of conservatism that a lot of people, especially as they get older, they kind of settle into. And I'm like, nah, you know, my husband and I are thinking, yeah, in five years, I'm going to move to France. I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Right. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> you know, like, so there's also things we say yes to because of that, you know, and it's definitely, you know, hopefully, hopefully when you like balance out the scales, we've said yes to more of the positive things rather than no to more of the would be positive things. But I have definitely had that experience of, I mean, and especially I think for me, it's been in schoolwork and in career. And then I also think it's tied into, um, there's somebody on TikTok talking about this, the gifted child and the ADHD, that like really high expectation of, you know, you're smart, you always do well. Um, well, I have to always do well, you know. I, so once people expect that of you, you don't want to disappoint them. So sometimes you avoid situations where you won't do well or you're, you know, you, the success isn't guaranteed. And on top of that, the ADHD, the success isn't guaranteed because they don't know how much I'm juggling behind the scenes thing. Well, and not only that, but often the the success never feels worth it. It doesn't like scratch the itch, you know? And so even if people are like, you're so good at this, you're like, eh, I don't care. You know, like that's not where you tend to derive your value, right? And so it's sort of like, you know, we don't tend to like linger in success very often because that's yeah. not where the excitement is. I'm laughing because I literally had this conversation with my therapist yesterday. <laughs> I was saying that, you know, I have this tendency to undervalue things that come easily to me. Over okay, mm -hmm. easily, you know, it, it's just not, I mean, you know, somebody was complimenting me on, on, cause I've been, I just started my business two months ago and it's like been really successful and people are like, oh, that's great. How you, I'm like, yeah, I just did stuff, you know, next. I mean, and it's, it's really, I mean, I accept the compliment because I feel like, you know, I learned to graciously accept the compliment, but that's because I don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. It doesn't mean I actually take in the compliment and go, right. oh, yeah, that thing I did, that's really good. And, and I can appreciate that. I'm like, oh, okay, next. Because if it's some reason, if it comes so easily, I, I, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know why we tend to do that. Like the things we struggle at, we want to like hide from the world and we're ashamed of that. But the things that we don't struggle at, we also hide from the world. Well, and it's that, again, that dichotomy of like, we, we tend to go for things that will come easily to us because life is so exhausting. And so you want to be really good at things immediately. You don't want to have to put in a lot of the effort. So you tend to like drop things if you can see that they're going to be difficult, but at the same time, dismissing things that come easy to us. So it's like, that was one of the things I loved about ADHD 2.0 was the, like the list of like all of those contradictions and, and how fascinating they are. <laughs> it was so, so interesting to see that. And, um, and also I was just seeing something on, on, I think I saw on TikTok this morning. I sent all these TikToks to my husband. I'm like, here's like the, the cheat sheet for your wife. Like this explains everything that I didn't even, I never could have explained. Um, and one was also realizing um, the overstimulation, which is really interesting because I don't think I recognize in myself. I mean, we often talk in ADHD about understimulation and how that's what the stimulant, you know, medications are for. That's why, you know, like, I was wearing these earbuds before this podcast started because I was listening to music while I was working, um, which is interesting because I never could do that before. Like I, that to me was too stimulating and now it's amazing for me. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also the point, and I didn't realize the overstimulation where like getting really ir irritated at somebody really quickly happened the other day. I was reading a book and thinking about something in the, like, so I'm reading the book and something in the book really made me think about something. And my brain was going through this, like, like this deep kind of revelation thing. And then somebody talked to me and they were like, did you do this? Or, you know, some question. 
whatever it was that I had to do or promised to do or whatever it was. And now I'm thinking about the other thing I need to do. Like, and I was just like, ah, like I just got really annoyed. And I'm like, whoa, why are you getting annoyed? I'm like, I don't know. Why am I? Like, I literally stopped and I was like, huh, yeah, I don't know why I'm getting annoyed. That was not an annoying question. It was like my son asked me, or my daughter was like, what? Yeah, what were you saying? Like, I don't know why I just got annoyed. And I realized, because in that moment, it was like, ah, you know, um, just, and it doesn't happen very often, but it, I, if I hadn't seen that video the next day, I would not have realized that's what was happening. They were like, you know, all these things. Um, and it wasn't just that the thing that I was reading made me think of something. It made me think of something upsetting, like, like whatever it was. So I was already in this kind of like agitated sense, but they couldn't see that from the outside. So this was like the last kind of thing. And <clears throat> so it's amazing how much I'm starting to understand about my own reactions and go, oh, okay. Uh, no, I don't need to react that way. Or just being able to say in the moment, like, stop, too much is happening right now. <laughs> Let's just do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able, like, like you said, like being able to recognize and label what is happening in the moment, which I think is something that can be difficult when you're, you know, you don't tend to, we don't tend to check in with ourselves very much because we're always like, go, go, go work, work, work. And, and so, yeah, to have, to be able to have uh, a, a label for and, and give words to what is happening. And, and then from then on to be like, oh, like that's helped me so much, especially with my kids, you know, like you said, like in moments when too much is happening or, or, you know, they're both talking at the same time. And so I shut down and I'm like, now I can actually say, okay, this is why I've shut down or this yep. is why I'm, you know, so that's been super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Recognize, I think, and like you said, labeling it and people often think like labels are a bad thing, but sometimes being able to point at something and understand what it is. I think more than anything, more than the medication, more than anything, that has been the most valuable thing to me is like, I was, I don't remember what I was doing. I was doing something. Um, and you know, I had this list of things I had to do because you know, I'm a new business owner. So I'm like, there's always a thousand things to do. And so I come into my office and we had just rearranged all the offices. Cause of course, right. <laughs> they need to do a million things at once. So we just swapped around three rooms. And so my office had, it was getting, it was pretty organized, but there's still a few things. So I come into my office to do something and I notice the whole pile of stuff that needs to be organized. So I immediately go to start moving on that. And what was, you, you know, it immediately got my attention and I was like, oh, I need to do this right now. And then I stopped and said, okay, wait, why did I come into the room? I came into the room for something for X, Y, Z, for this other reason. And these are the things I need to do today. And I got distracted by this organizing and then I realized, huh, I get distracted by the organizing because this list is actually kind of overwhelming right now. And I need to do something physical in order to, like, it wasn't just the organizing, it was the physical, I'm gonna move these boxes around. And I gave my, I was like, that's why I'm attracted to this. It's gonna take me 20 minutes. I'm gonna give myself these 20 minutes to do this busy work thing that is actually gonna help my brain go. So, Whereas normally I may have just gotten distracted by the box of stuff and not realize why I was doing it. Or I may have been like, no, no, put that away and get back to your list and still felt that sense of agitation. Whereas here I was able to say, okay, my brain was attracted to this. That's actually not a bad thing. Let me do this. This is not a very deep rabbit hole. I'm going to go down this for 20 minutes. And then sure enough, I got that organized. I felt good about that, that ping of reward, right? I feel good about, because we don't get that very often. So I'm like, okay, I accomplished that thing. And I think, it, again, it was physical, it was busy work. And then, yeah, I was able to get back to the rest of the things. And the rest of that list was pretty smooth. 
And I think that's that self-awareness of, God, why am I, you know, first you beat up on yourself. Why am I getting distracted? Why can't I do what I need to do? The shoulds and all that. Oh, no, what I need to do is actually go out to the garden for 20 minutes because I need some sunlight and some fresh air. And then I will get back to this issue. Um, I think has been super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, and just, and because I see what other people do. So also, how do you do it? Well, like all these, like, here's all the little notepads. <laughs> here's all the pieces of paper. Oh, wait, we got the post-its. Oh, I know. I came home yesterday from grocery shopping. I had half the groceries unloaded and I saw some dirt on the floor. So one of my kids had tracked a bunch of dirt in the kitchen floor. And so I was like, I have to, let me just sweep this up before I forget. So I'm in the middle of sweeping up. All the cub cabinets are open. I'm halfway through the groceries. I'm sweeping up the kitchen floor. And I realize I still have my coat on and one shoe off. <laughs> and I just had to laugh. Like I was a like, glove. I, I know, glove. right? And sometimes I'll have one arm out of the coat. I'm a little bit <laughs> And, like, and I just sort of, I know it was just like a great moment to just stop and, and to be like, all right, here we are, you know, as opposed to, and recognizing, okay, you know, what got me to this point, as opposed to, I think before the diagnosis, like you said, like so many of us default to what is wrong with me. Right. And, and, and now this, it's just music. You're like, oh, right. That? that was kind of funny. <laughs> like, uh, but I love what you said about exercise and that hit, because that's another thing. Like I find these interviews so stimulating. My face always gets beat red. I'm releasing, I don't, I'm assuming it's dopamine that my body releases because yeah. I get so deep red. But then the, I usually I have to go run around and do something. Sometimes it's like, I will literally just go outside and run around. Um, or sometimes I like to put on the, um, the VR headset, my kids' yeah. VR headset and do this like super regular, rigorous, a uh, game. Uh, I'm trying to Ocul the Oculus. Yeah, there's sort of like this game I love to play because it's like I need that um, physical release. And so it's been also really interesting. The more I research on ADHD, which is like, when am I reaching for dopamine? When am I reaching for serotonin? You know, when am I? Because there are times where like I will be in a super stressful Zoom call or something, mm -hmm. and then I reach for the serotonin, which is usually food. Yep. So I feel like this is like a good segue to start talking about hormones and thyroid yep. and. Um, now you specialize in Hashimoto's and right. hypothyroidism. So well, let's just I've, like, I've started to expand a little bit more into like more thyroid issues just because so many people come to me and like, but I started with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and now people are coming, what about Graves disease, which is autoimmune hyperthyroidism. And while the, the target and obviously the manifestation is different. They're both an autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid. So I'm like, and, and people will sometimes have both or go from one to the other. So I'm like, yeah. okay, now I'm going to start working on this. And people are like, well, what if I have nodes in my thyroid? And I'm like, oh, let me go learn about that. What if I've had a thyroidectomy, you know, remove, what if I, and I'm like, uh, okay, I'm just going to do thyroids. <laughs> like, right. But I do mostly do hypothyroidism because that's the majority of, of women with thyroid issues have that. Okay. Yeah. So that's my question is, I, I mean, I have a gazillion questions, which is my first question. My first question is sort of, it feels to me, I mean, nutrition is the wild west. It always, I mean, it just is, especially to somebody with ADHD who, you know, we just want the answers, you know, and I feel like, uh, so I spent so many years being, you know, uh, diagnosed with depression and anxiety, being on some sort of medication for those, always feeling like it could be my thyroid, feeling like it could be what I'm eating. And, but I also have a history of disordered eating. You know, I, I was a Weight Watchers leader and 
And Weight Watchers was, you know, it gave me a really bad binge eating disorder. Like, I feel like when you have ADHD, you tend to like, moderation is hard for you. It's you, we, we operate in extremes, right? And so like, I, you know, I went on Weight Watchers, I went, I lost all this weight, but I ended up binge eating. And then I became a health coach. And I went to IIN. Did you, I studied at Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And that was sort of that in itself. It was like every week there was some new speaker who was talking about this diet is the end all be all diet that's going to solve all of your issues. And I was like, yes, I'm in. What is it this week? Juice fast? Yes. Veganism? Yes. Matcha powder? Okay, let's do it. And like, you know, and, but it, it, I felt like I emerged from that coaching, uh, with, with orthorexia, you know, with this yep. feeling of just like, Oh God, I can't eat those eggs because they're not farmed properly, you know? And like, it was just like, I had gotten to this point where there were so many rules that I was overwhelmed. And I feel like that's, you know, a, a common story with any woman who is dealing with these sort of mystery illnesses or mystery, you know, weight is another one where it's like, I feel like I'm doing everything right. And why am I not, you know, why do I keep gaining? Why am I losing? Like, it's, I feel like we just spend our lives in this constant state of confusion about like, what is the one thing that's going to help me and solve all of my problems. And it's certainly not that simple, but I think we also tend to just throw our arms up in the air and say like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to eat a bag of Doritos and, right. and that'll be, <laughs> and then be done with it. Well, and, and I, yeah, no, I think that's a really yeah. good point is the whole idea that it is, you know, um, it does end up being this, like, you know, there's so many different fads and there's so many different, so much of that stuff out there. And this is, and, and so that's part of the reason why I decided to focus on like one issue. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm going to learn all about this one issue. Um, one thing I need to go back to that you were talking about the exercise and the like dopamine rush, and you probably haven't noticed, but I am actually standing on a Are you bosu. on a ball? I'm on a bosu. Are you standing? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm on a standing desk. So as we talk, so I did belly dancing for a while. I'm literally like, I've been like rocking my hips somewhat and like walking in place. So, so I was just like, that's how I do. I'm like, oh yes. It didn't occur to me that I have a standing desk and a bosu that because I've ADHD until recently. <laughs> so. Oh no, that's brilliant. I, I, um, I want to make the switch to a standing desk so badly so that I can have a treadmill because I feel like I would be yep. so happy if I could, if I could walk while on my computer, I just feel like, Oh my God, the, it, it would be, it would solve all my problems. Yes. I had a treadmill <laughs> at one point and then I, I mean, then I just wanted, I decided I wanted the standing desk and then somebody recommended this BOSU and I was like, Oh, this is so brilliant. Um, okay. So I just threw like a, I threw like a million ideas at you all at oh, once. So I'm just yeah. like, where do we, where, okay, let's go back to first of all the kind of the mystery of the thyroid. How? What do you say to women who just sort of feel like I am just so exhausted by the like myriad options of like where do I even? I'm so tired of throwing darts at the wall. Like, right. it's how how do we deal with that chronic overwhelm? Because I feel like that is something that is very very common. So <clears throat> I decided to focus on thyroid issues because I have I have thyroid issue. I've had Hashimoto's. Um, I was only diagnosed in like the last seven years, maybe seven years ago. Um, but I've been, I was diagnosed at hypothyroid. Well, I was diagnosed because I finally went to the doctor and said, could you do these thyroid antibody tests? She's like, oh, you think it might be Hashimoto's? Yeah, probably is. Let's do the test. And I was like, but nobody ever, like 2003, I was told I was hypothyroid and put on medication and then just send you out the door. Nobody told me anything about it. Um, nobody told me that it was, you know, just that it was, first of all, why is my thyroid not working? I mean, my moms didn't, my cousins, my aunts. So I was like, oh, I guess it's my turn. But nobody, you know, the idea that an organ just fails doesn't seem to bother anybody in the medical field. It's like, um, it was a little odd to me. 
Um, and so it's just so disturbing. Like as a scientist, I'm like, but why? And they're like, who cares? Here's a pill. I'm like, but right. Who yeah. Who cares? Um, and sometimes don't get me wrong. The, I mean, I, the medication for the majority of people who have a thyroid disorder who have Hashimoto's, you will need that medication for the rest of your life. It is a replacement for the hormone that our thyroids can't make. And in fact, this morning, I was doing a ton of research on that. Um, that thyroid hormone is essential to every single cell in your body has receptors for thyroid hormones, everyone. And the most important ones are like liver, brain, heart, bones, like, you know, your muscles. So you can't live without thyroid hormone. So I always tell people like, my, I'm not trying to, you know, if people are like, well, what can I do to get off the medication? I was like, you're talking to the wrong person. You know, maybe if your autoimmunity has not progressed to the point that your thyroid tissue has started to be destroyed and like you can get rid of the, you know, like reduce the autoimmune attack, then maybe you don't need the medication, but that's a small number of people. Um, but like, I'm not anti, I mean, I'm certainly not like, yeah, you throw drugs at everything, but you know, I'm a scientist. I'm going to go, you know, where, where the data is. And um, so, so for me, I was told of hypothyroid in 2003, finally diagnosed Hashimoto's in 2014. But if I sort of trace it back to my symptoms, I've probably had Hashimoto's since, since 1993. So for almost 30 years, for 28 years, um, I've had this wonky thyroid. And, um, and so, you know, I've had to figure it all out on my own. Like nobody knew anything. Like I said, the doctors didn't even like bother to figure out why my thyroid isn't working. Cause that, that why is not, that's not how modern medicine works. They're like, is it broken? We will repair it enough that you don't have to go to the hospital and then you're done. <laughs> you're like, but that's not wellness. <laughs> I'm sure this, you, you know, at, at IIN, there's talk about like you're sick and then there's not sick, but that's not the right. same as well. Like there's a big world between. There's healthcare and then there's sick care. Yeah. Right. Or, and we have whatever Josh um, says. And, right. Exactly. And so, um, you know, it's so like, and it's, I mean, I'm, we have philosophical conversation about why that is, you know, that Western medicine is crisis intervention and it's pathology based and, you know, and all of that, but um, which is exactly <laughs> comes full circle to ADHD being a deficit and a disorder, right? It's all about pathologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so many people have hypothyroidism. The doctor gives them a pill and one, they don't feel better. Like they still feel terrible. Like, okay, doc, I came to you because I was gaining weight, was cold all the time, depressed, anxious. My hair is falling out. My skin is terrible. My digestion's horrible. My muscles hurt. My joints hurt. You gave me this pill. My hair is still falling out. My skin's terrible. My just like, okay. Like I, came to, I didn't come to you for a pill or for a diagnosis. I came to you because a quality of life issue, a set of symptoms. And I still have those symptoms. Right. Like, well, but, but the lab report is fine. So bye. I'm like, what? it just, it makes me nuts. And I'm a scientist. I love numbers. I love data. But people are not just numbers on a lab report. Um, I also understand statistics. And I understand that an average is not a line. It is a bell curve. <laughs> so if this is the line, the average where people are healthy. It means there's a whole bunch of people over here. And there's a whole right. bunch of people over here. <laughs> yeah. You cannot just make everybody live on this line. There is a standard deviation to each side. And then let's talk about the next standard deviation. <laughs> I'm not telling people not to go to doctors. In fact, I want doctors to give more and better care. They are coming to me because the doctors have failed them. I'm turning around because I have a book that I'm reading right now. Where is it? Oh, here it is. <laughs> Everyone, like, here we go. I know it's backwards. Doing harm. Mm. The truth about how bad medicine and lazy science leave women dismissed, misdiagnosed, and sick. 
you know, there's a whole section on Hashimoto's in this book because <laughs> it's one of the classic. Now I'm like, is there a section on ADHD? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but no, um, but I think it I think it really goes back to what you were saying about like this idea of um, you know wanting to know why, and I think that that is a huge interest for people with ADHD, which is, you know, for anything, even it's like, I've joked about like people who say, I like the color green and you think, oh, I like the color green, but why do I like the color green? What does it say about me that I like the color green? Who else likes the color green? What even is green? And so, you know, there's a sense <laughs> of so like, I'm not the only person that. Except <laughs> I'm not about blue, by the way. <laughs> right. But it's that same idea of like, you know, I'm, I'm in pain, take this pill. Who cares why? Just get rid of the pain, you know, which is how most doctors view illness. And, but it's not in our nature. And so it's not like we are anti-medication. -medica we just want to know what is the source because I am now at this abnormality, of, of, right? <laughs> and so it's like, I feel like there's got to be a source for everything. Right. And then what's and, interesting is there's, um, I want to know why, but also I want to know what, like, what is going on? And that lack of curiosity is so funny because and I was a biology major and I remember like the fork of like, do I want to go into medicine and do I want to go in science? And of course, my mom was like, you sure you don't want to be a doctor? You know, every Jewish mother's, you know, wish. And I was like, no, I really don't. I'm good. <laughs> because I also realized that, and this is like, there are some fantastic doctors. And thankfully I work with some, like my own doctor was amazing. My husband is a great primary care physician. Um, but I was under the mistaken impression that because medicine is based on science, ostensibly, um, that doctors think like scientists and they don't. And mm. what's fascinating, and my husband, who's my husband's a theoretical physicist, so like we talk science all the time, um, that like the it seems like for most modern doctors, the worst thing they could possibly say, which they will never say to you, is, I don't know. I don't know. Right? I don't know. That's, that's a that's or that's a good question. I don't know. Let's try to figure it out. I don't know if like they have to sign a piece of paper the day you get to medical school. Never admit that you don't know because you will shame all doctors. Like, I, I mean, it's just the strangest thing to me. Whereas for a scientist, there was nothing more exciting than, I don't know. Yeah. Good question. Oh, maybe we should do an experiment. Oh, let's find out. I don't like, it's literally the basis of the entire field of science. I don't know is what the first scientist ever said, you know, back in the African savannah, the first person to figure yeah, out like, what fire was or, you know, what's over that hill or what happens when we, you know, don't run from the leopard. It's not good. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Run from the leopard. Um, but, you know, so, and again, this is not, you know, is it, it's not necessarily, I think it's more the medical field and sort of how doctors are sort of pigeon, you know, like wedged into it and, you know, forced to go through their training. I'm sure there's a lot of very curious people who get into medical school and kind of come out like, well, this is how it's done. Um, but the funny thing about arguing with this doctor is I was like, doctor, you don't get it. These women come to me after medicine has failed them. Like, I'm not dragging them out of doctor's offices. I'm not washing their pills down the toilet. Like, no. Like, you should see, I have an entire, you know, I have four autoimmune disorders. I have an entire, like, I take prescription medication for that where it's appropriate. And, you know, and, and there are times it's really helped. And same thing with ADHD. Um, but there's also an entire realm where not only can like the modern practice of medicine not help us, but they're not even interested. That's the worst part. It's not just that the answers are wrong, which often they are, but they're not even interested. Well, I still have these symptoms. Your labs are normal. 
I, I didn't come to you to ask you about my labs. I came to you to ask you about my hair falling out, my depression, and the fact that I've had three miscarriages. Like, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they just don't know, you know, there's just a lot of lack of curiosity, a lack of, of, to be fair, a lack of time, 10 minutes and a visit that the insurance company is willing to pay for is not a lot of time, you know, to really figure out what's going on with somebody. So, and thyroid issues, the reason why the thyroid issues are in this book is because they're one of the most common misdiagnoses for women. Um, and one of the most common, like kind of easily solved misdiagnoses. That's like, so just really weird. Like there are times when you have to really dig deep and there's a lot of things wrong and most doctors are not ever going to do that. But this is an easy one, frankly. If they were willing to do more than one test, which, you know, according to the scientific literature has been discredited for ages, but they're all willing to do, you know, the thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH, they're willing to take one step or God forbid, two steps beyond that to your T4 and T3, which are the actual thyroid hormones, they'd get a better picture of what's happening. Um, I convinced my endocrinologist to test all those and um, TSH was fine and T4 was fine by T3, which is the active thyroid hormone. So our bodies produce T4 and then we have to convert it to the active hormone. You don't convert to the active hormone, may as well not have any. And so my T3 was really low. Which is, which is quite common for people with autoimmunity because our bodies don't convert from the active, from the storage to the active form. So I said, oh, my T3 is low. And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll give you more of the medication. I'm like, but, but doctor, that's, that's T4 medication. Yeah, it'll boost it. But, no, the problem is the conversion. Now, mind you, I came to her after having this disease for 15 years. All I wanted her to do was renew my freaking prescriptions. <laughs> I knew what the problem was and what I needed. So she gives me a T. I was like, fine, we'll play your game. Oh, maybe, maybe my conversion has gotten better. So I take the T4. Still feel terrible. Come back, doc. Now I feel even worse. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll up it again. But, but I've been on this dose for 15 years. Okay, fine, we're gonna open again. <clears throat> I said, but look, my T3 is still low. In fact, it's lower now. And look, my cholesterol is going up. Oh, I'll give you a statin. No, no, no. I haven't changed my diet. My cholesterol is going up because I was like, you know, you need T3 for your liver to take cholesterol out of your blood. No, that's not it. Really? Hi. Oh, that's interesting. How do you know that? <laughs> like, I have low T3. Like, how do you know that, doc? How do you know that's not what's happening? Fine, we do the medication again, test it again, comes back. And I was like, oh, so what's the T3? Like, I don't see the T3 measurement. That's because she didn't order it because she got tired of me arguing with her. So she literally didn't want me to have the data to argue with her. I was like, doc, you know the problem is I didn't have the T3 and now you didn't even measure it. Like, you literally didn't measure what the problem was because she didn't want me to argue with her anymore. Okay, that's like, isn't that, like that seems almost negligent to me. Like, you know there's a problem. You don't want to admit like that that's the problem. So you're literally just not going to look at the data anymore. That like the scientist in me was like, that doesn't compute. Like I, I, you literally want less data so that the problem disappears. But I still feel terrible. <laughs> I was like, are you not so Nemo Sapphire and her and found the doctor? Um, so that's the, the situation that most women find themselves in. Either the doctors won't test the right things. So they're not getting a complete picture of what's really happening or they do, but they're using ranges that are off, ranges that even their own conservative, like professional organizations have abandoned. But the doctors, you know, once they get out of medical school, they hardly ever like keep up with the current literature. And, or they're not willing to give the medications that I like the the T3, which is the active hormone, not willing to give that medication. And then even if they are willing to give the medication, okay, that's all, that's where it stops for them. But we have a thyroid issue because the immune system is attacking the thyroid. You give me thyroid hormone to replace what my thyroid's not making. 
fine. We haven't done anything about the immune system attacking the thyroid. We, st we still have the attack going on. It's like somebody with MS, you know, the immune system's attacking the brain. Somebody with rheumatoid arthritis, the immune system's attacking the joint. Somebody with type 1 diabetes, the immune system's attacking the pancreas. Like the immune system is attacking. And all our medical system does is replace what's lost due to the attack. It doesn't stop the attack. And that is where health coaching comes in, of course, right? We deal with like, how do you actually calm the immune system down so that the autoimmunity stops and the inflammation goes down because that's where most of the symptoms come from. But that's, doctors don't work on that. You know, they don't, they're like, here's the pill to solve the, you know, the, the, the problem they see. There is not enough hormone. Now there's enough hormone next. <laughs> you know, here's your co give me your copay next. Um, so people don't learn how to, how to, you know, calm their immune system. And people come to me with the most heartbreaking stories. I mean, of miscarriages and infertility and, you know, hair loss and weight gain and depression and losing jobs because, you know, being on disability or losing jobs because they're exhausted all the time or, you know, relationships, just so many things. And the doctor's like, okay, well, here's, you know, here's an antidepressant, here's an anti-anxiety pill. Here's, if your depression or anxiety aren't due to the biochemical changes that are related, you know, that are associated with depression and anxiety, those pills aren't going to make any difference if your depression anxiety is coming from an underactive thyroid, which it absolutely can be because you need thyroid hormone to regulate, you know, the neurotransmitter production in the brain to maintain synapses, to just maintain overall brain health. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to me just how little focus there is on just quality of life. Like why are doctors okay with people being like walking out of their office feeling just as bad as they when they walked in, I, I just, mm -hmm. it just, it just doesn't compute for me. I'll get it. <laughs> I would yeah. consider that kind of a failure. Okay. So, so before we wrap this up, I just want to find out uh, from you, what are some of the best ways people can reach out to you? You have so many great, you have your five day offerings. Um, your TikTok videos are wonderful. I want to make sure we, we promote your coaching and, and how, uh, let people know how they can find you. Great. So, um, yeah, so my TikTok and Instagram is thyroid coach Danielle. Um, and you can see I have tons of videos and I just do tons of free content and I do TikTok lives that last for like two and a half hours. <laughs> I always swear it's going to be like, this is going to be a short one. And then my kids are like, you know, it's been three hours, mom. Um, so TikTok, I do a lot of stuff on TikTok. And then I have a free Facebook group, a private Facebook group just for folks, you know, who are working on these issues. The best thing is probably through TikTok. There's that LinkedIn and it has like, here's my Facebook group, here's my website, here's, um, and all that. But also um, my website is thyroidhealingsolutions.com. Um, so that's my website. Thyroid Coach Danielle is my TikTok. Great. Well, I've, I've, it's been so delightful to talk to you. I'm so yeah. glad we did this and that thank Me you so too. much for agreeing to be on and tell your yeah, story. Thank you and so much for the invitation. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. 
or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.